everybody and welcome to another episode of the AVP Galaxy Podcast and uh, this is Corporal Hicks or as you may know me Aaron Percival and I've got back with me Jim Moore. Hi there. Hi there. And if you don't remember um, Jim is the uh, fellow who wrote the latest Aliens novel Sea of Sorrows and he's agreed to just come have a bit of a brief well or not so brief depends how this goes um, catch <laughs> up. Um so well, first off, thanks, thanks for thanks for joining us again. Joining Truly, my pleasure, sir. Um, it's always a always a pleasure to catch up. Um, but so, so the book's been out a few months now. Um, you know, how have you found the feedback? Was it what you sort of expected? Thereabouts, yeah. I've had a few people that were upset because things didn't go exactly the way they wanted. I had one that I found kind of funny because uh, the biggest problem was it didn't have the characters from the original movies. <laughs> Right, because right, uh, that was that was the the biggest problem everybody had with Tim's book. <laughs> exactly. You can never please everybody, unfortunately. But, but overall, it's 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 been it's been pretty good from what I've read. Uh, the various reviews. It has been. I'm very pleased by that. Yes, sir. Good. Um. So you know, now now we've actually read the finished the finished work. I'm curious to see where you started from. Um, you know, you don't have to be coy about it now. So, um, what was what was Fox's brief to you? What did they want you to achieve? They had very little to start with. It was just a couple of sentences, basically, that were discussed with me and the editor and the other writers in the series, obviously. <clears throat> and what it came down to was, we'd like to move into the future with one of her descendants and have a story where the aliens continue on the previous hunt. Or would they continue on the previous hunt for the aliens, rather? Right, okay. So, they wanted... And we'd like him to be psychic. Oh, so, okay. Uh, okay, so they directed that. Yeah, absolutely they did. They wanted a different change. They didn't want the same story again, and that was the change they wanted. Okay, that's cool. So the catch there was to make it interesting without making it campy, if that makes any sense. Yes, yes. That's, that's actually a question I've got later on for you as well about the empathy. So, so it was. It was Ripley. It was Future, and it was Psychic. That was all you had to go on. Exactly, but we didn't want to go overboard with the psychic abilities, and we wanted it to be something simple that could be used, but not made the main focus of the story. If that makes any sense. Yes, completely. Because that, that's that's something that could tip it over the edge, really. If you and very know. easily, and I didn't want that to happen. So, but they weren't specific about it being, em, em, you know, empathy related. They just wanted some sort of psychic connection. The real connection that they wanted was some kind of link where he would know that the aliens were there and they would know that he was there to add a certain amount of edge to the entire thing. Okay. So uh, that was left up to you quite a lot to develop? Yeah, and we decided to go low on it rather than high. I didn't want him to have the ability to know exactly what they were doing or what they were planning, and vice versa. So empathy seemed the way to go. A little warning that they're coming, but not much more than that. Yeah, and it worked. I, th- I thought it worked rather well. Thank you very kindly. Well, if, if you get too heavily into it, it has the, has the potential to um, humanize them too much, or, you know, demystify them. And that I thought would be a horrible mistake. I think a certain amount of mystery when it comes to them is very important. Indeed. So we've already said Fox has got it. Um, it. It was actually introduced... Well, I don't want to say it's introduced. Um, that sort of connection has been around since the very beginning. Um, the original Alien comics. 
you know, I remember you saying you had actually read some, um, but did did you ever read the original, the original, the the outbreak volume one, um, where where the queens sort of had a minor psychic connection to people? Did did that play any part in? in you know, honestly, I don't know that I did. If I did, it was a long time ago. Okay. Fair so enough. while it's possible that it did, it wasn't on a conscious level. Okay. So how how involved with were Fox doing the writing? Did they did they shepherd you a bit more than you um, you would have expected? No, actually, I was given a lot of free reign. The way that this broke down was initially they only wanted to use the first two novel, two, first two movies. Mm. The discussions came through an outline which got approved by Fox, and then I started writing. And then towards the end of that, they had changed their minds and said we'd actually like to incorporate all of the movies and the newest video game. So yeah, oh, absolutely. I just had to make a few changes to the scenes that have been done and add a few things that I actually had kind of wanted to add anyway. What, what's I love the concept of the ship crashing into Earth and what had happened to it afterwards. Okay. So is it just sort of, well, the reference to the the Origa that was different? I mean, it didn't hinge too much on Alien Three or Resurrection references. No, not really. I wanted to add those, but they weren't a necessity. Um, I, I, I actually happen to like both Alien 3 and Alien 4, not as much as I like the first two, but I thought they were interesting twists. I thought 3 was really quite dark. Yeah. Unfortunately, it also had a few plot holes big enough to park a spaceship in. <laughs> or crash. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, in terms of stuff you added to fit in Alien 3 and Resurrection, then, we, we had the Ariga crash, references to the um, USM, was there anything else you added to uh, accommodate the request? Not really, no. Uh, mostly it was just changing the history a little bit to make sure that I incorporated all the details from that stuff and throwing in interesting information about Whale and Yutani and where they had been. Okay. Because if you go back to Alien 4, they, didn't exist. they basically said Whale and Yutani no longer existed. Hmm. Well, Fox disagreed. Good. Well, they are the. They were the main driving force of. Um... Of, of the faceless enemy throughout the films um, so you know they've always been a very important part of, of the franchise and it does seem Fox is very very key on pressing the reset button you know getting you back to the um, back to the point where we were with the first three films um, so like I said you know like I said it, it, it was key to get Waylon Yutani back into power did you try and Various different ways in in which to in which to restore them, or was it pretty much ultimately what you what was in the finished book? It's pretty much ultimately what was in the finished book. There were a few discussions with Fox along the way, and they also had some ideas of their own which were incorporated, obviously. Because mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, it's their property. I'm just playing in their sandbox. Of course. So, you, so you were very happy with sort of their guidance. They didn't overstep the bounds or anything? Oh, not in any way, shape, or form, actually. I enjoyed it wholeheartedly. See, that's, that's always nice to hear stuff like that. Um, so, was there anything you ever wanted you wanted to include, but you couldn't? No, not really. Uh, I actually had... Uh, they, they were actually very open to just about everything, which was lovely, believe me. I run across situations where it wasn't that way at all. Uh, in the comic days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we shan't go there, shall we? 
so characters, you know, Decker's relationship with with Ripley was a very pivotal plot point, um, but the the heritage isn't really explored. I was I was wondering where you imagined Decker came from. How was he related to Ripley? Uh, I figure he's probably a great 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 grandkid. So related to Amanda as well, then. Exactly. Okay. To the best of anybody's knowledge, she only had one daughter. Mm. And, uh, we don't know if she had brothers or sisters or not, but they wouldn't have worked in the genetic link in this case anyway. Okay. Because in Tim's book, she had to be marked. So direct descendant. Exactly. Was um, was there any reason it wasn't sort of explored, or you know, to avoid alien isolation, bunch ups, or just not just not needed? Not needed, and I didn't want to fill, uh, fill the entire book with things that, frankly, just weren't that significant. I like moving on with the action as quickly as possible. Mm. Well, it was a very sort of Aliens, as in the second film-style novel, so, you know, it was very much moving, 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 and I can understand that. Was there anything you sort of wanted to do with him that you didn't really have have chance to do because, because of the fast pace of the novel? You know, it... I could have had a lot of fun exploring his past with his family, but I didn't think, again, that it was absolutely necessary to moving the story forward. Instead, I just wanted to give that a quick mention and let us move forward because you don't know what's going to happen. It is important that he have children because of the Weyland-Yutani connection. That's one of the things that they could lord over him. Yeah, it was very much his motivation. Oh, yes. Now, considering how Decker and... The readers are introduced to the uh, more prominent mercenary characters what, by kidnapping him. How much of a challenge is it to you as an author to turn that around and make us like like those guys? Well, I hope I succeeded in making at least a few of them likable. Um, it wasn't really that much of a challenge because you're dealing with a situation where they didn't know him. They, he was just the job. And for his own self-preservation, he wanted to change that. He had to. When your entire life depends on what a handful of other people who have nothing to do with you are, are interested in, you better make them interested. Mm. But what 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 about from um, what about from the reader's perspective? You know, these these guys just showed up. They just kidnapped him. Is is it hard? Is it hard for you as a writer to sort of twist that around and make the readers think, yeah, they, they they're all right, guys. After all. <laughs> I've always had a very simple philosophy about this. Uh, nobody is the here is the villain of their own story, and everybody has a story to tell. Does that make sense? Yes, that's, that's an interesting perspective. I don't think Darth Vader ever woke up in the morning and said, "I think I'll be a bad day, bad guy today." <laughs> he had his motivations. Doctor Doom has his motivations. All of them do. The aliens' motivations are pretty simple: they're hungry and they want more babies. So it's self-perspective that you sort of go for on that. Absolutely. I do, I do think it worked on on your main guys, um, which which again is is, a, is another another thing here. Um, you know, you you got a big cast, lots of mercs, lots of people to nom on. Um, how how do you go about deciding which 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 guys are going to be the ones who receive the most attention in the page space? Really, it's the ones that, that, that decide for me. I kind of like to let them have their own free reign in the stories. Some develop better personalities faster, and some are just jackasses. And you sort of avoid the jackasses? And... 
Oh, oh no, some of the jackasses are the most fun. <laughs> there was a... Build them up a little bit before you kill them off properly, in this case. Oh, I can't... I can never pronounce these names. I'm terrible with the names. But the, the Polish guy you had, it was very... Petrovich. Yes, that's the one. I thought it was very reminiscent of uh, Hudson. Was was that intentional? A little bit. I wanted him to be an interesting character who was kind of morally ambiguous. Mm, definitely. I came across. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed how you um, how you spun him out, and I, I didn't see uh, I didn't see his final pages coming. I'll be honest. And uh, it, it was nice to see nice to see his. Um, his relationship with the uh, with the girl um, and like that. Well, the thing that I liked about that scene is I, you know, mercenaries are, are by their definition going to not have really long term relationships. The people they're going to probably be the most intimate with are also the people they work with. So intimacy is going to be an odd thing in that case. True. And I wanted far more to work on the emotional intimacy than the physical in this case. Yeah, because they never actually, um, never actually. Not at once. Did they? They actually worked together. They never had a chance to. Now, your next one, the avatar of the company, Rollins, she also seemed sort of inspired by Vickers from Prometheus. Did you sort of look to that as a loose connection when you were developing her? Actually, no. There's uh, a little tidbit for you. Okay. To my way of thinking, Rollins is a synthetic human being. That was the other question. <laughs> is she your android? <laughs> That she's uh, she's there to do a job, end of discussion. If she comes across as passionless the same way that Vickers did, that's just because Vickers was driven. Oh, potentially an android. That that was that was banded about as well. When, when I think that it's an interesting character. Mm. Vickers and Rollins both. Okay, so it's you saying she is intentionally is she a synthetic character or is that a? Uh, yes. Okay. I never I never put that out in paper, but that, as far as I'm concerned, yes, she is. And I can see that, I really can. She uh, didn't seem very sympathetic towards her human counterparts. Oh, not even remotely. <laughs> yeah, which, which which of the characters did you have the most fun writing? Which were the most fun? She was one of them. I also had a lot of fun with the head of the Mercs, Mercs because he's just a snide little bastard. <laughs> Who's big enough to back up being snide. Do you enjoy doing the uh, sarcastic dialogue then? And Oh, absolutely, I love it. They're always the most fun jokes as well. And again, th th this is another one of my bad pronunciations, but early on in in the novel, I saw a name that made me smile. Bandaho. Bandijo? I'm not not sure how to pronounce it. Is, is Was that a reference to the actor of Alien? I cannot tell a lie. Yes, it is. Yeah. I was uh, I was flicking through when I saw it, and I was like, oh, the cheeky bugger. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that one. It's, it was, uh, you have to have a little fun with these things. So, in terms of references, then, as when you were writing, what sort of intentional references did you make? Really, not that many. I wanted to make nods to the people that I thought were kind of overlooked a lot. Yeah, it's it's not a name you see too often, is it? No, not at all. We only, but I always thought the character was fun. That was uh, that was when we started to see the emp empathetic powers of uh, Decker as well, wasn't it? We only just found out what what happened to him. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it. But it turned out he um, he died in in I think it was in the nineties actually. No, I did not see that. Yeah, um, one of the um, the alien blogs, Strange Shapes, did a very nice article on him. He's been in touch with his family and everything. So that was a very lovely read. Finding out about 
what happened to him after Alien. Unfortunately, he died. But it seemed like he had a quite an exciting life. Um, I'll I'll send you a link after actually if you're interested. Yeah, I'd appreciate that actually. Now, the next couple of questions are sort of my nitpicks, which I'm sure you expect at some point. Sure. Um, so you know, while I really enjoyed it, there, there, there were a few little bits I was I was disappointed about um, that I was kind of curious to ask you about. And the first of which was, um, you know, there's this massive crashed ship and alien, different alien civilization that they've found, and it didn't really get chance to explore it. Why um, was was there was there a reason why you decided not to? Play in that sandbox, or well, I played with it a little bit. I wanted to play with it a lot more, but at the same time, I also want to give make sure that Wayland Utani doesn't get everything they want. Sure. They got the aliens. They didn't have a chance to get the other things that they desperately wanted out of this, hmm. and that included all of the information available by the other alien life forces that were there. They had a full history of a planet and all the technologies and the organic technologies that they could have had. Instead, they get some of that, not all of it. And it's still there as well. You didn't blow them up, did you? Well, there's uh, there's this problem with with the end of the book where a lot of destruction is taking place. Yeah. How deep that goes, hard to say. So that was an intentional process then. Oh yeah. Okay. Now again, they have some information, and they have even some of the genetic information. Mm. What they can do with that is anybody's guess at this point. Okay. So is that you know yours and Tim's book played with that set it up? Is is did you ever talk about sort of what you expected? them to be like, what their history was, do you know what you want to do if you get a chance to play with it again? I do not, but actually, uh, as it stands right now, though I can't, you know, say 100% officially that this is happening, it looks like Tim might be doing something with that. He'll be playing in that sandbox again. Yeah, th- again, you, you're jumping all over my screen, you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible, I don't know why I bother with these questions. Um... But yeah, so, um, you know, Sea of Sorrows is obviously a launch pad for further novels. I mean, yes. um, the, the ending's there, the, some of the guys are still alive, setups there, you've got this new civilization, and all we know is that Tim might be playing with it. Are you not going to be involved at any point? Not yet. There might be something in the future, but at this point, it's not, it's not scheduled. But you'd love to. Oh, I wouldn't mind at all. I'd enjoy the heck out of that. This, your your book served as, you know, a very... There was tons of world building at the start, rebuilding this future um, future of humanity and of the alien, um, the alien world. You create new things, new directions, but you also sort of mention, um, mention older stuff. And in, in particular... The Octurians. Now, some of our guys on the forums were very more uh, were very curious to see what you envisioned they were like because it, it was very sort of a passing comment um, in the book. I will plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> so, not not something you've put much. Let, let, let me on. let me put it in a slightly different way. Although I don't have any confirmation of this, I understand that there are plans for them. Book wise. Comic-wise? Yeah, book-wise. Okay. So, really at the start of something here. (laughs) And as much as I would love to tell you more, 
I have limits as to what I'm allowed to tell you. Of course. So, you know, this, this wasn't quite as much as an open book as I thought you were going to be, James. You're shocking me. Um, What's the fun if you get all the secrets at once? True. Well, I didn't expect there to be more play. <laughs> so, again, back to back to um, Niggles. Um, now, we, we've spoke about this before, but you know my biggest issue was the pacing towards the middle. And it's, it's an issue some... Well, a, a few of our members have also brought up. Now, I thought you'd written your way out of it earlier with the briefing scene. What what sort of led you to re-inform uh, readers in, in in the middle like that? You mean about the aliens themselves? Yeah. So, you know, it, it was char- new characters show up, learn something about the aliens, die. And again, for the next chapter... Why, why did no matter you what, I, no matter what you're doing, as far as I'm concerned, you have to give a certain amount of background information. Hmm. You and I are both familiar with the Aliens universe. You and I have both watched the movies, read many various subjects on on, on this, etc. But not every person that ever picks up that, that book will be in that situation. So I have to give a certain amount of nodding to them as well to make sure that they're properly prepared for it. Is that and in the case of the, of the characters themselves, some of them simply were not up to up to snuff. They were given paperwork to read. That doesn't mean that they actually read it. Is so I had to slow down a little bit to add in additional things. Is is that an important thing for authors of Tynes to to get in there somewhere, you know, to reinform the readers? I genuinely believe yes. Otherwise, you have a chance of losing a lot of readers. Okay. I, am, I'm, that, I do realize that means that there's going to be a small boredom factor involved for those who are very adept at this. So... Typically, this is me here. Typically, I would expect people picking books like this, you know, um, tying books up to be to be familiar with uh, with with the source material. So, is that something you end up finding out is not always the case? Is, is that why that's generally done? It's generally done for that exact reason, and I'll, I'll give you an example of that. I actually picked up a couple of fantasy books back in the day, having no idea that they were tie-ins to video games. Now, granted, in Aliens, it's going to be a little bit more iconic, mm. but I can't make that assumption. True. Do you find that challenging at all while you're working? Oh, absolutely. The idea is to put it in there without making it slow down the entire project too much. And that can really, really be a challenge. Hopefully, I succeeded to a fair extent. Well, I enjoyed it overall, just just not those sections, so. <laughs> No, I've got no problem with that. Okay, so... You know, Sea of Sorrows is... It was very different to a typical alien novel or story in that the company succeeds at the end. You know, leaving us on on quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. That was one of the things that I wanted to make sure happened in this. So that that was always the intention. That was always how the story was going to end. As far as I'm concerned, yes. And happily they agreed. I wanted it to be something so that if the next book comes along, it's not the same beast again. Mm. Forget the, the I, I've almost got real aliens because I cloned them off of somebody's corpse. I want them to actually have real aliens and to have real aliens to play with and all the things that can happen as a direct result of that. And it makes it less less repeaty as well because, you know, there's there's a jumping point, isn't there? You've You've been here, you've established all this, you've established... They've got them, and it makes it 
less rinse and repeat if if you exactly and that's one of the reasons i put in the little post that i did by the way was uh along the way this he says he says well you know you can't bring these back to earth and her response was we're not bringing them back to earth we're not stupid so uh, that was was that a generic sort of thing, or by this point did you and Tim or Tim have an idea of where to go after? I have ideas of where I'd like to go. How Tim approaches that is entirely up to him, but we might end up talking about it. You never know. Okay, cool. Um, so the, now the book's been out for some time, and you've you've seen reader feedback. If you could go back and make any amendments to the book, is is there anything you would? change oh sure i would have actually made it a little bit longer right. i think there are a couple of scenes i could have employed in there and had fun with um i would have liked to have to have actually i i think i told you this before i was rather intimidated when i started that mm. because that's a lot of history you have to go through and you have to step on without without destroying what's been built before if that makes any sense yeah completely and i really wish i could have had a little bit more time to go back and and just Recheck everything to make it was make sure it was as tight as I wanted it to be towards the beginning, but circumstances did not really permit that. Was, Mostly, it's a matter of timing. Was it a bit of a rush? But no, you said you had a bit of writer's blog, didn't you? On this yeah, one. exactly. Yeah. It's the only the only person to blame ultimately is me. I just wish I could have gone. I wish I could have had another month to go over it when it was all said and done, uh-huh. to play with it a little bit more before it went to the editor. So I'm still happy with the end result. But that's going to be the case with almost everything I've ever written. I'd always like to go back and play with it some more. Did did it give you a good sort of foundation for if you did come back? How so? As in, you, you wouldn't quite be so intimidated by it next time. This. Oh no! Now that I've played in the sandbox, I'd have no problem playing it again. And that's a big difference. Mm. It, it ultimately came down to me realizing that no matter what I'm doing, I'm still just writing stories and having fun. And what would be the point if you weren't? Exactly. Once I got past that point, it was a lot easier to deal with. Um, this this is something that's, that's cropped up recently that I, I always wonder about. Um, you know, once you've once you've done a book, um, you know, there's other jobs afterwards and whatever. But do you ever come back and sort of look at your work, your old work again? It, would you sit down and reread Sea of Sorrows? at some point in the future. Oh, absolutely. I actually had that discussion with another author once who was surprised to see me reading one of my own books. Is it not in that case, it was because the book had just come out and I wanted to see what I had done right and what I had done wrong. I always go back and look again. You can't learn otherwise. So it's very much a sort of teaching yourself kind of lesson, seeing it after you've done it and picking up what you thought was right and what was wrong. For me, absolutely. I think that's part of the learning experience from it. It's easier for artists. They can look back and go, oh, you know what? I don't like the shading right here. <laughs> but for writers, it's a lot more to look at. Mm-hmm. And I know several writers, and I will not mention names, who never go back and look at their old stuff again unless they absolutely have to. Is it not something authors would typically do? Is it, uh, is it not many people kind of do this kind of thing? I, I think it depends on the author individual. Uh, in this case, for me, it really is kind of a matter of making time for it. I've got the full-time job. I write full-time. My, my, my social time is limited as it is. So going back to read a book takes away from the other things I could be doing, like reading a new book. And when I'm reading my own stuff, I already know how it ends. Do you not like rereading? 
Oh, I love it. It's like visiting old friends. So, in terms of, of, of actually you as an author reading, do you do you enjoy reading other people's work, or do you find yourself getting viewing it from a critical eye? Oh, I dearly love reading other people's stuff. I do read it for the critical eye, because that, that also is part of the process. Tom Monteleone, another author, once referred to that as popping the hood and seeing what's going on in the engine, because you have to. Same thing, you're always learning if you're, if you're going to be a writer. I can read George R. R. Martin and enjoy the book, but I also have to stop and appreciate sometimes the way that he builds a sentence. Or if a sentence feels awkward to me, I have to look at it and figure out why it feels awkward. So you can avoid it. Exactly. But yeah, reading is one of my favorite hobbies. You'd hope so as well, wouldn't you? Because oh yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if you don't enjoy reading, who's... Who's going to pick up your stuff? Yeah, okay. Um, thank you very much. Um, I think that pretty much covers covers all the questions we had. Um, you know, Truly my pleasure. Thank, thanks for taking the time. Is is there anything you'd like to say to um, the listeners before we, before we sign off? To those that read it, I truly hope you enjoyed it. Uh, to those that didn't, my apologies. I can't cover every base. <laughs> but I genuinely, I, I loved writing the book, and I've enjoyed the feedback. I'm trying to post from time to time in areas where I find uh, bulletin boards mentioning it, because that's only fair. But I truly hope everybody enjoys the ride and nothing else. Fantastic. Thank you very much. This is uh, Opal Hicks and uh, Jim Moore signing up. Thanks for having me. Take care.